Welcome to the Happy in the Mess podcast. We are your hosts, Marlena, Sherry, and Matthew. We are therapists and coaches, and we want to share our own stories with you, as well as the wisdom, insights, and tips we've learned along the way. Thanks for tuning in to this episode. Welcome to another episode of Happy in the Mess podcast. We are excited to have you join us. Uh, I am joined by two amazing coaches, as always, uh, Marlena and Sherry. Uh, who are our uh, respectively spiritual singles coach and our, oh, I'm going to screw it up, Sherry, because I'm just going to draw a blank. Couples relationship, right? (laughs) Couples relationship coach. Yes. This is what I get for going off script for a change. Um, (laughs) Dang it. I'll be fine. I can remember all these things. ADD, what can I say? All right. So today, uh, this is kind of born out of a pre-session wrap. Like a lot of times we get together and we talk and like, sometimes these issues just kind of spring up and we're really talking about some of the generational issues that come up, these burdens that are handed to us from the previous generation. Um, So we'll kind of preface it by saying there's this huge sweeping generalization because anytime you have to speak for years of people and millions and billions of people, potentially um, there's going to be a lot of the fine tuning that's needed. So this who knows how this goes? This may have some of those interesting twists to it. Um, none of it's meant to throw shade. It's all meant to say, what are we dealing with? How do we handle this? So um, as a reminder, if you enjoy it, feel free to like, share, subscribe, share it with your friends, tell them about us. It's the best advertisement. We appreciate it. Um, if you have a couple extra $100,000 and you want to send our way, by all means, we will take it. Uh, but until then, we are all working for a living um, Marlena, how about you? Where are you working? What are you doing? How can people find you? Yeah, I'm doing one-on-one coaching work at the moment for people who want to level up in their single life, whatever that looks like. And, uh, you can find me at coachmarlena.com and set up a consultation appointment to see if we're a good fit. That's awesome. Very cool. And Sherry, how about you? The best place to find me is in my Facebook group. It is for couples who want to stay connected in their relationship. So the Facebook group is a date night community, and I love hanging out there and communicating with people. And I've got a challenge coming up, and I'll be opening up my signature program, which is a dating program for married couples. That's awesome. And I definitely appreciate both of you and the work that you do. It's always a pleasure to talk. Uh, each week and just glean. And even in my own practice, I'm finding more and more that I have these little Sherry says and Marlena says moments uh, in there. (laughs) So (laughs) I'm at MatthewEMorgan.com. I deal with the neurodivergent community, Um, really just trying to find the the Geeks Under Grace kind of niche as we develop that out. So Um, So yes, we all have individual coaching practices, counseling practices, and of course, we would love if anybody wants to work further on some of these issues, uh, we'd love to work with you. Um, So feel free to reach out. So going back to our topic at hand, these generational, I I was struggling, are these generational traumas, are these generational burdens? Um, uh, One of the things I threw around with was, you know, what happens uh, with the baton that we're handled, the generation baton uh, that's there. Um, so just to maybe kind of give a good preface, uh, we're dealing with um, multiple generations, typically done by age and what's going on 
with this. Um, so we have, and I'm just going to kind of read real quick here if you guys are okay with that, but um, the, our older generation right now, those from 1928 to 45 is the silent generation, we tend to call those. Um, the, the 1946 to 64 are the baby boomers, 65 to 80 are the, the Gen Xers, um, 81 to 96 are going to be our millennials, um, 97 to 12 are going to be Gen Z, and now we have our 2010 to 2025 who are the, the alphas. Um, I also wonder what's going to happen with the pandemic and how that's going to play out as some of those kiddos start to develop their own generational out. Um, so that's the, the rough side that we're dealing with. Um, if you're on the cusp of these, it, you may kind of identify with areas of different ways here. Um, but for the two of you, are you noticing either in your practices or your personal life, maybe what are some of these generational problems that, that you're seeing? Well, I am in Generation X, so I probably identify with that the most. Um, I know that my peers and, well, people my age, we're dealing with kind of being at that that point in your career when you've kind of gotten focused and done the thing, and now you're starting to think about retirement. Um, but there have been some gener some um, cultural shifts that it's like we were in the in the midst of some cultural shifts so the generation before us had some pretty clearly defined male female roles the generations after us have really questioned those and brought some really different views on what those roles should be and my generation was kind of in the middle of that where we were trying to change things, but still, when you when you grow up in the soup, you don't know you're in the soup. And so there are a lot of times that I'll say things and my kids will be like, that's, that's not okay. And I'll be like, what are you talking about? That's something we've always said. And I'll have to stop and be like, oh, right, that's just the culture that I grew up in and things really needed to change. So like we were trying to create change without really being able to see that we were in the soup at the same time. So I do see a lot of generational issues that are related to how our culture is changing and, and relationships and male-female relationships. And now we're not even talking about male-female relationships. We're talking about relationships with a lot of different variety in uh, orientation and and identity. So I don't, I don't know. Did I answer your question? Cause I'm like all over the place with this. No, you absolutely. Well, and that's just it. This is such a huge topic. And, and even with that, right. We're recognizing there were a lot of things that have been handed down. I love your analogy, right? So we're in the soup. What, what is in our soup as we start to process it out? So mm -hmm. absolutely. Marlena, what about you? Do you notice things? I, I, I don't want yeah. to call generations here, but what do you see in yours? You know, well, so. um, I have seen a lot of shade. I'm in the millennial generation, and so I've seen a lot of shade thrown at millennials for um, being entitled or selfish or, yeah, thinking that they are owed something. And I've, I've been in this um, generation. I've noticed that we've done a lot of unpaid labor, 
uh, with internships. A lot of has been asked for us to give a lot of ourselves without um, monetary compensation or any other kind of benefits. We're part of the generation where there aren't pensions, usually with jobs, where there aren't, um, and that includes the gen, the generation after millennials, which is Gen Z. Um, and just like not where their parents were. So um, my parents are in the boomer population. And so where they are economically uh, is not where their parents were at the same age. And so I'm noticing, and, and that is true for Gen X. I was just doing some research that their net worth was like cut by 45%. I mean, so there has been, I mean, and we can look at, you know, the economy and inflation and all these things that are contributing to that. But I've also noticed that like, Boomers had more security, it seemed, in, in their work, in the workforce, and a lot of times, and they had the pensions and more, you know, um, cushion packages, whereas the, the subsequent generations, not necessarily so, especially it depends on your profession, et cetera. But I noticed that a lot of millennials are still struggling to own their home. A miracle, they own their own home with their own money. That's often not the case. Um, some of them are raising kids and taking care of their parents who are older and need help. So they're, they're in the sandwich generation too, where they, they're being stretched in on both sides and uh, and don't have the security, like I said, of um, uh, a job with good benefits or even the opportunity or a pension. So I think, but they are considered ironically, the most educated generation, the millennials, whereas Gen Z are now thinking that they can do well without having gotten a generation. I was just doing a little bit of research before the podcast on what's different between them. And the millennials came in with all of this technology. They learned how to, you know, text and email and all these things. And whereas the Gen Z were already like kind of in it. So they actually prefer, I think it's interesting, Gen Z prefers more face-to-face -face interactions, whereas millennials don't mind the texting, the email, et cetera, which can be conceived as impersonal, more likely to document their day-to-day -day stuff. And Gen Z are a little bit more selective, which I think is wise on what they post on social media, being a little bit more selective and not, you know, talking about your flops running out and, you know, all the little things that I think can get out of hand on social media. But um, that's really interesting. I think the economy too is shaping these generations majorly. Um, and just expectations, like I, I, I've taken issue with this whole idea that millennials are entitled when they seem to be working a lot of hours and not getting the same benefits as their parents' generation did. Marlena, I really appreciate the, I really dislike when millennials are put down because I really think that they have challenged some of the cultural ideas that would have been accepted in my generation and before, but really they're based in hazing and you have to do your do put in your dues and it doesn't matter how much education or experience you have. If you haven't jumped through these hoops, mm -hmm. you don't get the respect. And I think that they are really putting some pressure on the workforce to say like, we should be people first and our mm -hmm. jobs should support doing that. And I think that is a, a wonderful new concept that's coming into workplaces. So I think the, the shade gets thrown, the, the complaints get thrown because people don't really like change. But I think mm -hmm. some of these changes are really for our better. Yeah, I, I didn't quite understand why we were getting that shade. I remember, you know, putting in a ton of time on all these unpaid internship hours and or, or getting significantly less than, um, you know, someone else. And, you know, I asked my parents, you know, like, 
how much time did y'all put in unpaid labor? And the answer was zero hours. Whenever they work, they got paid. <laughs> and I was like, ah, interesting. So I feel a little guilt. I mean, I, I guess I have a little bit of a chip on my shoulder. Like, wow, I put in perhaps even years of labor with no pay, which really sets me out of the social security system, which we're not even guaranteed anyway, and all of these things. So it's like, I feel like a lot of the labor is being, the previous generation is benefiting from, um, which, you know, it is what it is. I suppose I can move to another country. I really, <laughs> really don't like it. <laughs> we, yeah, definitely. And we're going to address like, what, do, what are some of the things we can do? Um, you know, and, and I think sometimes even that idea, like, well, if you don't like it, leave, that really comes from kind of an, an entitled position and, and what you're essentially communicating, not that you did this, Marlena, right? But what we communicate, right? When we call somebody millennial, when we label somebody by their generation is, is kind of sit down, shut up. We don't want to mm -hmm. hear from you. Um, and, oh, and, absolutely. Yeah. Sorry. I just wanted to say I had a, I, I'm not going to name names, but a boss in the past who would always say to us when we would kind of push back against the working conditions or like would address something culturally within the workforce that was toxic. And he would say, if you don't like it, go work at McDonald's. They're hiring. I mean, that was his response, not let's fix it. Let's take this, this into consideration. It was just like, well, you can go. So the real like irony it. of that is by working in the mental health field or teachers often fall into this, you probably could make more at a low skilled position and have a lot less hassle and not contribute to the greater good. But we don't re uh, we don't reward people based on what good they give to the society. That's not how we work out our pay scale. But yeah, um, I've worked with teachers who in the summer will take a part-time job doing something like, I don't know, working at Hallmark and mm -hmm. making the same or more money than they do in their full-time profession. So yeah. Maybe that maybe that was good advice of go work at McDonald's. <laughs> I've always I've always said one of my pivotal crossroad moments in my counseling journey was when I was early on in my career. Um, it was a Friday night and we we wanted pizza and and this is back in the dark ages when I could actually you know eat gluten. Um, and I remember we we could not afford the delivery or the tip, so we drove to the pizza place and they're advertising delivery drivers at two and a half dollars an hour more than I was making as a mental health clinician. And I'm not disparaging the, the delivery people. I think everybody deserves a living wage. Um, but that thought that like, Oh, I could just leave what I'm doing and deliver pizzas for a lot less hassle. Like it, it was everything I could do not to pick up an application along with our, our pie. Um, mm. and obviously, Obviously, I did not because there's a, a change in that, but systemic, right? And our field is one of those that, that there's an internship process, there's a learning process, and, and we are vastly underpaid. Uh, but I think across the board, we see a lot of these same things too, right? Mm -hmm. So we see generational burdens, economics, um, gender roles. Um, is what I've heard and gender norms and expectations, um, other social implications in there. Um, there. There's a lot to unpack in these things. Um, mm -hmm. And so, these have real world implications. 
Yeah. These aren't just theoretical things where we're talking about a group of people. We're talking about people who have to navigate these essentially unchangeable boulders that they need to be successful in life while these boulders are still there. And I love the I love the analogy that came out of the pandemic that we were all in the ocean, but we weren't in the same kind of boats. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes that's what happens when you think about these generational issues. And some people are navigating with yachts and like they have everything that they need. And some people are on a life like this raft that was taped together with duct tape and they're just hoping to stay afloat. And so mm -hmm. these these just become, they can become burdens. They can become too much. They can become roadblocks that feel really un, unfair, unequal. Mm -hmm. I will also say something that I've noticed with the generational differences is the boomer generation is less likely to seek out mental health as well and or poo-poo it or roll their eyes at it or be like, but, you know, we're fine. You know, we, we got through it. You know, it's not needed. And I'm noticing like millennials and sometimes in Gen X too. I love it when I get Gen Xers in and baby boomers. I think it's wonderful that they're working on their mental health. Um, but millennials and Gen Z are like a really, I think, make up a more, a bigger majority of the people I see both in, in coaching and counseling because they're, the stigma is not as heavy there and they're, they're more likely to seek out that help. Absolutely. There's a danger in the, I think a lot of old, older generations, we get there, we have this idea, well, I survived it. You know, you can, there, there's a potential for that. You can too. Mm -hmm. um, but sometimes I think as, as humanity, we're not meant to just survive and repeat that process, you know, and that's that, that generational cycle, you know, ideally mm -hmm. we want to be getting better with each one. Um so, so well, think, you know, and they did those studies, Matthew, to your point, the generational trauma. Is that where you were going with this? Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. You, uh, do you want to jump in on it? Is that Just the, the DNA, you know, they've done that with people who experience potato famine and other types mm -hmm. of big disasters, how like the genetics are seen, the results of that is seen later. You know, the hoarding of a particular generation, I mean, it has effects and consequences you know, or even traumas that are not spoken about or even known about in families can repeat, um, which I, I think, which is why I'm so glad to see the movement of younger generations going for mental health so that we can expose these things and then yeah. start to take care of them before they become bigger problems. Absolutely. Yeah. This whole field of epigenetics is what you're talking about. And it, we don't even, we haven't even scratched the surface with it yet. Um, but it is going to be a game changer in terms of understanding how our genes work together with our family's experiences and cultural experiences that then act together with our environment and that those are three pots of influences. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. it, it was interesting. I remember in, in grad school, we had to do a paper on our multicultural heritage and, and I had to laugh because if there's a, a poster child for white Midwestern American, you know, like, oh, that's me, you know, like nothing screams multicultural. And, and as I got into it, um, you know, and I, I think I've shared this before, my, I, I come from a very strong Appalachian background um, in, in Ohio Valley. 
um, and all those ideals that were carried through. Um, and once I was aware of it, then it was like, okay, now we have to ask questions. Like what, what are we assuming? What are we, you know, uh, Sherry, to your point, what, what's in the soup? Um, you know, is this something that I don't, don't want in there now, how do I get this out? Um, or better hand it to the next generation. Mm -hmm. So do we have a sense maybe just real quick of, of where some of these generational problems come from and, and what they mean for the, the present generation as well as the, the future one? I think there's really, um, there's this idea that you want your kids to do better than you did. And I think that uh, there is that intention from one generation to the next. And I look back at my grandparents and the way they lived and the sacrifices that they had to make. And they did give their children a better life, better expectations, better, um, better family relationships. And then my parents' generation, they have given us better. Now, I also hope I give my children much better. So I think that is part of it is kind of this um, idea that we want to do better for our kids and our grandkids than what we had. But we also have these big cultural or situational events that happened. Um, I remember my mother talking about when Kennedy was shot and how that had a huge impact on that, that generation. Um, I believe uh, Martin Luther King's death also was one of those pivotal moments for that generation. Um, we've got uh, when there's a war, that's another one. We've got 9-11. Um, I know where I was. I know how it affected my family. And it's something that I reflect on every now and then. And it was a pivot point for my generation, really for everybody at the time, but probably had a huge impact on my generation and millennials in terms of economics and outlook and how safe the world felt and travel and all sorts of other things. So you've got these big events. The pandemic is going to be another pivot point where different, it's gonna impact different generations differently because of where they were developmentally, but is going to have a huge impact on just the whole society. And I think too, women entering the workforce, the rise of technology and that all of that development, I mean, has really changed how everything is done. I mean, on the household level to the international level. I mean, this is like uh, global as well as, you know, I mean, I don't know how, how these categories actually fit into other countries, but like we have seen, I mean, many things have affected the generations for sure. Um, technology civil, in particular. Civil yeah. rights, the riots mm -hmm. around Black Lives Matter and George mm -hmm. Floyd's death and the, yeah. the opening up of our understanding of what was happening for different groups in our culture. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The George, George Floyd's death is one of those that I've, cited several times because it's a culmination of all of these things it's these atrocities have happened before um but because of technology we were all transported straight onto the street next to him and and felt that equal trauma as the people who were there and we walked through the trial very viscerally um you know i i 
I grew up, I'm a Gen Xer as well. And, and I vaguely, you know, the OJ trial, I think was probably the trial of our generation um, for OJ Simpson. And that was not even as well-defined, I think, as, as this particular event. Um, mm -hmm. So it did, I think it created a, an awareness that created a trauma memory in us because we all, I mean, by, by definition, this is something we witnessed, mm -hmm. um, you know, um, and technology allows us to be there fast, to be there sharply, um, you know, so the, mm -hmm. yeah, definitely things to be aware of. Um, I like that, you know, technology affects us, you know, our, our, our social connections affect us, um, you know, uh, and it's interesting just to kind of process through all of that. Um, well, and it's interesting too, because there's still vestiges of the old stuff coming into, like, I mean, I know this is a, a topic for another episode, but just like looking at how, you know, women are now entering the workforce, but they're still the primary caregivers mm -hmm. like they were in the 1950s. So now we're seeing um, sort of this inequality that's happening. And when it's still like, you know, I had a, a family member once tell me like, you know, independent woman, entrepreneurial, all these things got married. And her husband was like, why aren't you patting the tortillas every morning? And she's like, I, excuse me, no. <laughs> you yeah. know, and, and yet he was born, at, he's newer, these are newer, like these were, I think, millennials as well. And it's like, wait a second, why are you still holding the expectation that I'm going to do what I did? Plus all the new things that I'm going to be doing. And it's, uh, anyway, I just think that inequality is more sharply seen and people are pushing back against that inequality in, in just uh, the gender roles. Um but, but we don't get rid of the old stuff necessarily. It kind of follows us. Yeah. My kids are Gen Z. And I see just a huge <clears throat> shift in these expectations, not just gender roles, but in terms of what they want for their lives and what they're willing to stand for. And I love seeing their activism where they are, they are not just saying this is not okay. They are saying we are not going to let this continue. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Being able to have that voice is so important. Um, being able to share, you know, and, and recognize. And I, I think, again, this is, none of this is meant to throw shade. It's meant to throw awareness. You know, at what point are our expectations um, starting to influence the people around us, you know? Absolutely. Can we work all day and, and still make the tortillas, you know, and like, no, like, it's just, it's not fair. It's not equal. So we have to question it. And it comes with, I think a lot of times either a rage, uh, it can come with an anger. And I think the more that we're not heard, the more mm -hmm. the anger tends to build, because as we know from emotions, anytime we squash them down, they will find a way out. Uh, they either find a way out mm -hmm. in your body or they find a way out in your, your words. Um, yeah, I'm really loving seeing the assertiveness of the younger generations and speaking up for themselves when and, and even in, you know, the inpatient care settings. Uh, I've had a lot of discussions with my mother around this, like, when she goes to the doctor, it's like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, doesn't question a thing. And I'm like, No, you got to ask questions. What is this yep. for? Why am I doing it for how long? She's like, I don't even think about that. And, and because her generation didn't, and there's still that patriarchal structure, even in the medical profession, like, I'm going to tell you what to do. And this is not a collaborative and negotiative process. Right. Whereas my generation and the, the next one are very much, I mean, it's just showing the, the generational differences, even when we go to our doctor's office, how it plays out in just that small little setting, where I'm always asking questions, well, what are my alternatives? Is this really the best thing? And why? And how come? And, and, you know, and I just noticed that other generations may not ask those kinds of questions when someone else is perceived as the expert. I think we're kind of demolishing a little bit of that. Someone said this recently, 
And it really captured my attention. Um, we can't lie to our kids anymore. Our kids have the ability to pick up their phone and look up anything. And so this idea that they're going to go to a doctor and just be like, uh-huh, uh-huh, yep, you want me to do this? Okay. No, they're walking in and they have done some research where you give them a diagnosis and they're going to go and find out what that means. So the the change in technology and having so much information at your fingertips is changing how they're interacting with what used to be blind authority figures. They were the ones who were the experts. Now mm -hmm. experts have to be much more of an expert, much more niched or much more knowledgeable or have some breadth of knowledge. And you can't just be an expert because you're, you have a degree. Yep. Mm, that's a really good point. It can make their jobs a little harder. I'm sure they love it when people Google all the things before they walk into the doctor's office. Mm -hmm. right? but it's, but it's, I would, yeah. I would do it. Like I'm not going to go blindly into a doctor's office and be like, oh, okay, you want me to do that thing? Well, now I'm like, how successful is it? Like how much cost is it? How much is it going to cost me in energy and, and time? And like, is this, or can I live with the side effects? And you know, even when I was growing up, that wasn't really the way I interacted with professionals. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. I remember, um, yeah, like some doctors will, um, if you bring them the newest research, will feel defensive because they're not on, not yet there yet. And I think we're getting off topic here. But anyway, I just found it interesting. I had a, a doctor who let me choose my surgery. He was like, here's some options. Go do your research. I mean, that was his instruction. Let me know what you think. And I was like, how nice to be given the autonomy to really make my decision around this, these surgeries that he's offering. Anyway, I, I just so appreciated that. And so, funnily enough, I brought those that that information to another surgeon, and he was aghast. He was like, "I can't believe he let you do that," and all these things. And I'm like, "Things are changing, man. Things are changing." Yep. I, I think back to 1985-ish, me, you know, working on research papers with the card catalog at the library like pull this thing out <laughs> you, you hope the book's there and it doesn't have too much dust on it and it was sometime in the last 40 or 50 years you know and now it's just like you know i can bring up you know i just did a research uh chapter for a book and i'm like oh let me filter by the last three years worth of research and you know and it was all right there um mm -hmm. big big differences so. Yeah, I, I remember that you had to hope that the book that you needed, the topic was at your library. And if mm -hmm. it was not, you might wait a couple of weeks for a book to come in, or you might just not be able to write about that topic. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. such, such a difference, the knowledge that's there. So, mm -hmm. so with that, as we bring things home, right, we didn't, I'm assuming I didn't catch it in here, but I don't think we fixed any generational issues in the, the last 20 <laughs> minutes or so. Um, we, we highlighted them. Uh, we tried to do it without throwing shade, without you know telling people they're not heard. We want everybody to be seen or heard. Um, but I just as we bring it, what can people do when they find the fly in the soup or they find that the, the boulder that you had mentioned, Sherry? Um, what can we do to, to move over, around, through some of these obstacles just to get through our days? It's all good questions, Matthew. I mean, um, 
one thing that I've appreciated about just now, and I mentioned it earlier, is just the availability of mental health and the acceptability of that and, and getting help from um, professionals and sometimes peers, right? I mean, coaches and counselors, but also, you know, with the access of information, we have a lot of people who are very knowledgeable in, in certain areas without necessarily a degree or certificate. And I, I think that's just great that people are more widely educated in a variety of ways and, and we can lean on that. And I love how millennials and Gen Zs are closer to their parents and are able to have some of these conversations, which is really nice. That that openness and transparency between the generations is something really to be treasured, I think, which can be very helpful in navigating generational trauma and other things. Now to add curiosity to that, uh, when we stay open and curious, then we are more welcoming to different ways of thinking and different ways of doing things and less judgmental that change is bad and, and, and we don't want either what was or we don't want change. So just being open and, and uh, willing to hear each other, willing to have conversations. Not the kind of conversation where you're like, I, I already made up my mind. You can, I'm going to try and convince you of what I know to be true, but curious conversations where you want to know how someone got to their opinion and what are the pieces that they are prioritizing that make that opinion valid. Mm. So what you're saying is we need to listen to one another. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, listening, it's good. <laughs> to hear, mm -hmm. to understand. Absolutely. I think for me, one of the things that came up was also, and we need to be connected with some of these differences, but I think we also need to find our tribes. Um, and I think technology has done an amazingly good service for this um, because we can find, you know, in a small community, we might not find somebody who's like us. Um, they may not have the same sensory issues or the same gender identification system or any of those type of things. Um, and we can feel very outcast. Um, but within those outcasts and the weirdos and the misfits, I think a lot of times you can, when you start looking, you can find those people um, and find your support and know that like this is okay. This bubble is okay, even if the rest of the world is kind of somewhat bonkers on this, you know, if we can kind of hold our tribe, um, I think there's some beauty in that as well. Mm -hmm. so, so all good conversations from you both. Um, any last minute take home stuff before we sign off that that has come up today that we either want to pass along or pigeonhole for in a future episode? If you find that we you, you resonate with some of the stuff or you disagree, please comment in the comment sections if you fall into one of these generations and correct us if we made any mistakes or give us your opinion we'd love to hear from you don't demonize anybody the differences are differences and they aren't necessarily good or bad they have repercussions that are good or bad but they are not in and of themselves uh, and it's easy to kind of demonize a whole group of people rather than saying this is this is the good that came out of that. And these are the challenges that we faced because of it. Definitely. I think mine is we just want to be, be careful not to see an entire generation, but see people. Um, don't see the caricature, see the, the character um, and really spend time. And if there's some of these groups that you don't understand, get to know them better. Go and hang out and, and Sherry, like you said, ask questions, listen, learn. So um, 
thank you both as always appreciated um the rest of the audience if you enjoyed this make sure you like uh share it with friends um marlene i very much appreciate the transparency right call us out on it um we're you know we we study this we know this but we are by far not the culminated experts of all of this um so we always love to hear we like to have these conversations and challenge each other so um, so until then, just work on continuing to be happy in the mess, and we will talk to you all next week. Mm -hmm.